0: Sports fans, you are listening to Philly vs. the World, a sports podcast through WHIP with three guys from three different sports cities debating sports topics. Now your hosts, Chris Kowski, John Iliano, and Drew Bishop. Welcome back. Sixth time this year, Philly versus the World, episode six. Guys, can't believe we made the six episodes. I thought I'd kill you guys by now.
1: Yeah, honestly, I thought I'd kill John at the yeah. Mostly,
0: training. mostly
2: John. I would drown him in gravy. <laughs> wow, What's
1: that, the story behind gravy in you two? Yeah,
2: yeah. It, let, 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 listen, let, it's, let, it's it's sauce, not gravy.
1: What's wrong with gravy, John? You That's ever been the, to Thanksgiving, uh, or do Italians not do that?
2: Obviously, we do that, but it's sauce—the red stuff that you put on pasta—is sauce, gravy. not gravy. Gravy. All right, whatever fake Italian. All right. Well, let's, let's move on. Let's get, let's get to some news. Let's talk about some real news
0: and not what, how John thinks he's a true Italian, but yeah, you're right. Go Kareem hunt signing with the Cleveland Browns, Kareem hunt to the dog pound. I'll I'll start with this guys. How does this make you feel? I'll go first. I, I think, you know, people are speculating like, Oh, he did a, a really bad thing. How does he have a second chance? Well, a lot of people say, you know, you deserve second chances in life. And you know what? Maybe Kareem Hunt, maybe he'll learn from this. I saw that he was going to, you know, counseling and, and AA meetings. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's interesting that a guy's getting another chance. And now this is his last chance. And he needs to do everything right to prove to the Browns, to prove to the people that why he deserves another chance. We know why John Dorsey re signed him. He, he drafted Kareem Hunt, I believe, right? Yes. He drafted Kareem Hunt when he was in Kansas City. He took a risk on guys like Tyreek Hill. You know, he, he 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 doesn't mind taking a risk on players. And I think that, you know, Kareem Hunt realizes this isn't my chance. John Dorsey is kind of a, a friend, a mentor to me. He's giving me this chance. I cannot mess it up. And I, I saw something on Twitter that I just really want to say. Someone was saying, how could Kareem Hunt get signed, but yet Manny Machado doesn't get signed for not hustling. I just want... People to realize that's two different things. Manny Machado is not getting signed because he wants 200 and 300 million dollars. He is not worth it. Kareem Hunt is signing a one-year, one million-dollar contract exactly. right now for the Chiefs. It has nothing to, uh, with the Browns. It has nothing to do with because he had an altercation with a woman and Manny Machado doesn't hustle. It's the money aspect of it. The Browns giving Kareem Hunt a chance. Just to wrap it up a little bit, I love the signing from a player standpoint. I think Kareem Brown, Kareem Hunt is going to help the Browns. I'm excited to see what they could do with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in the backfield, helping Baker Mayfield. Because now
1: Freddie Kitchens got something cooking in Cleveland right now. Yeah, he does. Yeah, man. I, I don't know Dorsey's personality. Big gambler guy. Big revitalization of the city of Cleveland. It's really cool to see when the risks pay off with gutsy players like Baker Mayfield, and how you know the city of Cleveland responds. I understand that the Browns may have not had such an angle if they had waited, but I would have really liked to see at least the investigation have some results, the internal NFL investigation have some results prior to signing this guy, right? Because at the current moment, I don't believe Kareem Hunt deserves a second chance just because John Dorsey sat down in a room with him and, and thought he's working hard to be better. I don't think that that is should be a pass, especially... In the progressive era that we're in, I don't believe that you should be sitting there throwing free passes to people just because they're talented individuals. I think you need logis- le- legitimate proof. You need something beyond Kareem Hunt just feeling sorry and just feeling bad that he did a bad thing. I'm personally not not a big fan of it just because it it, it feels like a clamor. It feels like clamoring for success, trying to be impatient to get to the top. Cleveland's already got two solid running backs. I don't see them as a team who needed to do this for the amount of risk that it entails. Not risk as far as, you know, signing Kareem to a contract and him maybe not playing, but risk of just allowing a, an individual who does such a terrible thing to to come back so quickly, to come back so easily without any internal investigation. I personally have a problem with this because, I, I once again, I just think that Football, a lot of the times, is more than a game. It's it's about life. It's about humans. It's a lot deeper than just throwing a ball around. And I think John Dorsey kind of saw it a, as one of his sweet gamble moves. Uh, not a big fan of it personally. I, I just want to
0: rephrase. Like, obviously, I don't support what Kareem Hunt yeah. does. That there's no incidents where you ever should lay a hand on a woman. But obviously, there are some loose ends to this investigation. And I, I do agree with what you're saying. Maybe until you know the investigation clears up. But he is going to counseling. He's going to AA. Doesn't mean that. He makes it a better person, but as far as like trying to make strides be better, he, he, he is trying to show that that's behind him. But now you're right, he has to prove it in other aspects. He just can't say it now because he's got a contract. He's got to continue with all this mm-hmm. progression.
2: I think it's a good move by the Browns. It's a low-risk, high-reward. I mean, you're paying the, a guy who was one of the best running backs in the league only a million dollars. That's a nice bargaining chip. And I think if I'm the Browns, I think I'm happy – that I was able to get a guy like Kareem Hunt at that price. And as far as does he deserve to play, yeah, he deserves to play because everyone deserves a second chance. If he messes up again, then he's got to go. Because it's I go back to the whole Michael Vick thing. Michael Vick, he messed up. And he got a second chance, and now 10, 11, 12 years later, nobody even talks about what he did in 2006. It's barely mentioned. So I think it's and it's one of the best stories in sports, in my opinion. So anytime uh, we could have a potential story like that, I think we need to give it a shot just so that it it reaches an audience to show, hey, this guy who had the like who was on the top of the world messed up, and he was at the bottom of the world, and then he came back. I think it's a good story, it's something inspiring and something that parents should be happy to show their kids. So I, I think that's part of the reason why. The NFL should give players like Kareem Hunt a second chance. And, and I think, I'm sorry, just from right. a, a football standpoint, this guy's going to bring it, man. You got Nick Chubb, Duke Johnson, and now Kareem Hunt with Baker Mayfield, Jav- Jarvis Landry, Antonio Callaway. David Njoku, that yeah. offense is going to be nice. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Todd just off of, is real yeah is yeah, wouldn't you Yeah, why wouldn't you bring Kareem Hunt just off a football standpoint?
0: And I think it has a lot to do with it that if there's anybody to relate, to, not to relate, but talk to Kareem Hunt 101, saying look, this is your last chance. I'm giving you this chance because I believe in you. It'd be John Dorsey, a guy who took a risk on Kareem Hunt and drafted him. So it's like maybe it's a, a, a relationship like Kareem, what you did was messed up, but I believe in you that you, like you said, you you can change. You, that's not who you are. It was just a bad time. You did something bad. You can change. You can learn from it. And I think it's just like John Dorsey speaking to him like a, like a, I don't want to say a father figure, but like as someone as an older mentor, like I'm giving you this chance. Don't embarrass me, don't embarrass yourself, and don't embarrass
1: the team. Exactly. I just I, I just don't – it doesn't sit right on my heart, the the complacency with mistakes. Uh, second chances are to be given and they're to be doled out, but not so soon. And this is why I commend the other 31 teams in the league who aren't – who did not touch Kareem Hunt. I, I commended the Chiefs. I honestly commend the Chiefs for as soon as this comes out, they drop him. Because personally, I don't think you should be allowed as a GM to just give a guy a second chance off no Warren at all. Just because you liked his talent at the Combine or you know you think he's going to be a great addition to your young team. I-, I think you need more evidence than that. I don't take a person's word as you know the revitalization of their life. A- everybody you know, when they make a mistake has a chance to-, to re-up their morals. That's great and all, but you have to earn it beyond just sitting in a room with me and telling me you're very sorry. Of course you're very sorry. The entire world is looking down on you and you missed out on a great opportunity to possibly tip your team's chances to win the Super Bowl. Who knows what happens if Kareem Hunt is playing in the playoffs of the Kansas City Chiefs. It don't sit right with me when, you know, this big strong dude beats this woman and, you know, nothing even changes from November till now, but now he signed. How come all it took was 5 months, 4 so they just months
0: came out about it. Like there was openings about it. the girls were underage who were drinking. They they said Provoked racial them. slurs to him. Yeah. They provoked him, and apparently there was stuff happening before all that happened too. Mm-hmm. So, like, there was, there was. That's what I'm saying. There's so many loose ends to the story because now you're seeing not only the side of what Kareem Hunt, but like what the girls too. You know, being underage, but like I said before, it doesn't doesn't defeat the purpose because they were underage or provoking him that he has a right to put his hands on a woman. That that's a no brainer. You should never ever do that.
2: Let me ask Drew a question here. I'm surprised that this is coming out from him because. He's a Cowboys fan. Mm-hmm. And his team is probably the most well known team in the entire country yeah. out of all sports. And what does his team do? A lot? Sign guys that come off the field yeah. or that do stuff off the field that is not legal. Mm-hmm. Ezekiel Elliott, Greg Hardy, You can argue about this a lot. You can argue. About about, of play. You can, At Randy Gregory. There's a lot. Randy
1: Gregory, you can argue the Zeke point. Um, I'm surprised that this is just coming from you. What's what's his name? Hardy. Greg Hardy, I was yes. not a fan of signing Hardy. I mm-hmm. think Jerry is like Dorsey. He takes a lot of gambles on people. And That's Greg is a big name, but I think there's been other teams, like the Cincinnati Bengals, who have, you know, stepped forward and, and have done this very thing. And, you know, me rooting for a team since my childhood, and because they do that, you know, I may disapprove of a move. Doesn't mean I'm not going to root for the team. But But, yeah, I'm standing here and I'm saying – I need to see more evidence from that. The thing, the difference you see in cases like Gregory and Hardy is because there's development in the case. The, the, the Kareem Hunt investigation has not really opened to the level that I would want it to to sign a player of this caliber just off the bat. I think that the Browns kind of cut a corner here where a lot of other teams in the league were sitting there saying... We're not even going to take a look at this guy until more m- more things come up and, and bubble up to the top. And the Browns said, "You know what? We're going to cut this corner. We're going to take him right now. You know, we're just going to we're going to say we see him as a morally correct person." So, to me, I, I understand, you know, Cowboys fan signing these players, but every NFL franchise has taken a risk on a player. I mean, Eagles had Michael Vick, and I'm not saying that that's comparable to the list that the Dallas Cowboys have had, because I know the list that the Dallas Cowboys have had. And seeing Randy Randy Gregory on the field this season, sometimes, you know, I wasn't a huge fan of it.
2: The difference is Michael Vick paid his debt to society. He
1: did, he did, and that's why I'm saying it's not as comparable. Mm -hmm. But every team in the nfl has taken chances you know yes. has taken chances on players i mean the redskins just tests.
2: signed reuben foster yeah. to
1: play to play a game where you must inflict violence onto others you'll find a lot of players who let that seep into their personal lives yeah. and that's a part that's of it good but point. i think that the process is a little different with this cream hunt situation and it just doesn't sit right on my heart to know that he was signed today rather than a month two months down the line so let's move on to
0: our next topic it, it was a wild week for John's Philadelphia sports teams this week. It all went down on Thursday. The Well, a lot of it went down Thursday and before the week. The Sixers obviously requiring Boban, Tobias Harris, um, from the Clippers giving away Landry Shamit two first-round picks, a couple second-round picks. Then they trade Markel Fultz, their, their first-round draft pick from a year ago, um, to the Magic. For a potential first-round draft pick, a potential second-round draft pick, and for Jonathan Simmons, and then also can't forget the Phillies acquire JT Realmuto um, from the Marlins, coming up They're one of their top prospects in the young fl- young pitcher Sixto Sanchez. So my question for you guys, and I'll go first, is how does this week, how does these moves help Philadelphia sports, meaning the Sixers and the, and the Phillies? So for the Sixers standpoint, I think it was at first I wasn't too. Bond, fond of these moves. I thought they were giving away Landry Shamit was kind of a, a big piece to give away, but now I'm kind of seeing this Sixers team pan out, and I'm thinking, okay, Tobias Harris might be pretty nice there with Joe Allen Bede, Jimmy Butler, Simmons, obviously Reddick. but my reasoning was I wasn't too happy about them giving up Shamit because I feel like he might be a better version of what J.J. Redick is right now. And and, and the Sixers, of what there's one thing they lacked. it It's three-point shooting. Obviously, they don't really have those guys to do it except you want your center sim uh, your center mb to do it butler can do it sometimes obviously reddick is the guy but i thought chant was another guy who gave you a three-point shot obviously tobias harris has that but the more this is settling into me i think that this trade really helps the sixers potential for this year but i would like to see them guarantee that they could sign jimmy jimmy butler and tobias harris for the future because if you can't sign both of those guys or both of those guys walk and you gave up Shamit. Then I think that's gave up a lot, especially if we don't win this year.
2: I think Butler's gone, to be honest. Butler's
0: gone. I could see that too. But I'm saying if they can keep these two guys and and, and make a run for years to be a dynasty, then it, then it was the right move. Yeah. As far as the Phillies' move goes, I like the move. I think if it doesn't attract Bryce Harper, then the worst thing the Phillies did was you know make a big splash in free agency more to add to Segura, add to McCutcheon, add to David Robinson. It just helps them. They probably got arguably the top. Two catcher in baseball right now, defensively wow. and offensively. The way he plays the game, the way he communicates with pitchers, he's very good at that. A lot of times, you haven't, see, you don't see a guy with good defense and good offense. Besides guys like Yadier Molina and Buster Posey, that's kind of a thing that's been dropping off in the game. So it's nice to see a guy who could do that. And he could bat leadoff. He they batted him leadoff before. That's something that you've never heard of before from a catcher. I like this move. That Phillies fans who thinks we got rid of Sixto Sanchez. That's a top prospect. I'm, I'm, I'm a guy who's about getting rid of your prospects if it means you're getting a guy who's guaranteed to help you out right now. Me there's too. no guarantee you 6 Sanchez is going to be this guy that you persuade him to, but there's a good chance JT Romuto could stay being the top catcher in baseball. So really helps our lineup, really helps, you know, it could really help that, that rotation that struggled last season besides Aaron Nola. So I, I like both moves from Philadelphia Sports. The, the Sixers nice. one more,
1: growing on me more over the days. There you go. Mm-hmm. All right, Philadelphia 76ers fans, I want you to repeat after me right now. Landry Shamit is dirt, okay? Landry Shamit is not going to tip the needle for a title contention. And this is something that I've had to argue with, with John last week, and I've had to argue with other people, is that, oh, man, you know, that, that was great that we got Tobias Harris, but, like, Landry Shamit was really, like, a piece I re- Stop it. Stop it. If Wait, you can think I defend
2: myself if real you quick? think Landry
1: Shaman is gonna tip your ways to get to an
2: NBA title, you're wrong. You're I, flat listen, wrong. Listen, this is why I said it. I thought if you're gonna just keep this guy for half the year, then getting rid of Landry Shaman wasn't worth it. Absolutely worth it. But it's saying, still worth it. Hold, even on, if Tobias doesn't hold on. Resign. But if they do resign him, then I love the move. Obviously I love that I move. I agree with you hundred percent. I love that move. I promise you. A half a
1: year of Tobias Harrison getting to push for the title is a better But the Warriors opportun- are going to win anyway, Drew. It's an oppor- It's a better opportunity than Landry Shamit's ever going to give you. I promise you, your seventh man is not going to be the difference maker on your title team. He's, he's six, not. He's he man, he was a sixth man. He was the sixth man? Oh, congratulations. That's wonderful. That's he's big. still not going to be the difference on an awful bench okay, compared fine. to the rest of the Eastern all right. Conference. No, I, I agree with that. Okay, so these trades were really, really great for the Sixers because, one, they went all in on their star power initiative. You know, Butler was the first step. Tobias Harris is the second. Elton Brand's unloading this chest. He's not trying to have Ben Simmons work out with Magic Johnson. He's trying to push this. I mean, two years ago we were talking about should Embiid get the max, and now the 76ers have finished the process and they have this stable foundation to work off of. It's a star-driven league. You need stars. And honestly, you look around the East, it's the most wide open it's been in eight, nine years. And you say to yourself as the 76ers GM, you say, what's left but to make a splash? I got a lot of dead assets on my books. I'm going to get rid of a high-performing rookie to a team that wants to tank for a potential All-Star, and it was a really good move. Even better, Markel Fultz. Selling on that guy is the best thing that this team could have done because after hanging on and hanging on, the 76ers have finally realized they've made a terrible, terrible mistake by letting Danny Ainge screw them over in the draft, and now, you know, they get to kind of pick up the pieces, and that's their punishment for just a poor... For, for just a, 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 Honestly, for,
2: though, they weren't they weren't getting – I mean, nobody knew this was going to happen. Markel, let's not give Danny Ainge that much credit.
1: You don't want to give Danny Ainge credit for dropping down and getting the extra pick in the draft. Well, no, I and, thought it was
2: a good trade. I thought it was a good trade for both sides because nobody expected Markel Fultz to be what he is, some Chick-fil-A-driven <laughs> kid. Who gets the yips? <laughs> who gets right? the yips? I Nobody don't know, expected man. that.
1: I don't know. Do you Ainge, think Danny Ainge thought that? Ainge was taking Tatum. Ainge was taking Tatum, first pick. So obviously he thought something in his head. He thought something. But the whole guess time.
2: what? It just came out this week that Magic didn't want Lonzo Ball. It was Genie Buss who wanted Lonzo. Magic wanted Fultz. That's what the Sixers were afraid Mm -hmm. of. That's why we. What's
1: new? Magic is a terrible coach and executive. Man, all I'm saying is that if you're a Sixers fan and you're crying because Landry Shamit's not going to put up his threes every night for you off the bench, and you're not going to get that you're losing your mind. This team's depth was a wash a long time ago. So for them to just induce the starting lineup is probably the best thing they can do. And you clearly see with matchup capabilities that the way they're coming down the floor and creating these mismatches with these other teams is so much more productive than getting some skinny dude from Wichita State off your bench to run around and shoot threes and not play defense. Like, come on. Like, as a Sixers fan, you can't be caught up in the process anymore. It's over. The process is over. You have faces stop trying to dwell in the basement and go for it now instead of sticking with some dude who averages eight a game off the oh my goodness it's just bad like it, even if tobias doesn't resign like you still got a really good trade you still swiped him off of know. the west
2: i don't know about that if he doesn't resign then elton brand's gotta go Yo, uh, no. come on yeah no. because guess what you lost the greatest asset that they had that miami 2021 pick you lost that for a guy who left in free agency anyway
1: it's true. It's true.
2: So through back channels, they know that Tobias Harris is going to resign.
1: I think he is. I think so, he...
2: listen, I think it's a good trade. But just in case he doesn't, Elton Brand's got to go because that means if he doesn't, Jimmy Butler's not going to resign either. So either way, I think Jimmy Butler's gone. That's just yeah, me. Yeah, I think butler So if you going. lose both of them, Elton Brand's got to go. Where do you
1: think Jimmy goes, though, if you really think I think he going.
2: goes to Miami or L.A. Lakers. Psh, That's no. all. I can't but, see
1: him playing with LeBron.
0: Jimmy butler. i don't i think we never know butt heads together hard maybe
2: maybe but i think i think jimmy butler would listen to lebron because J- jimmy clearly can't be the man because he has way too many wants and he doesn't like any head coach he works with neither does lebron so maybe they have a commonality there let me get back to the sixers and phillies real quick i'm not a big baseball guy but talking to people who i know who are big phillies guys big baseball fans they all tell me that the Phillies got a top five catcher in the league. You just told me that he's top two, right?
0: I would say full potential and age wise and what he could bring as a hitter and defender. He could easily be top top two, top three best catcher in baseball. See,
2: that's great because now I know this. The Phillies, they struggled with pitching. A good catcher will always improve bad pitching, right? Oh
0: I, I, absolutely he, he, he did a great job controlling the very young, no name staff in Miami and mm-hmm. that is a reason why the asking price was so high for him it's because what he I didn't he even think off, it was that
2: high I think the I think the Phillies might well, have gotten away with a round. Right right
0: because what I, I told you before what the, the that they wanted the Marlins wanted from the Mets and the, yes. and the Yankees it was the Mets had to give up Noah Syndergaard to the Yankees the Yankees had to give their young star Miguel Andujar and Gary Sanchez to the Marlins and the Marlins would give real Muto to the Mets and that's asking for a lot cuz you're exchanging
1: a ton of all-stars that have already been all-stars in, in that trade Okay. The reason baseball trades though are so tough to evaluate the day after they happen is because you're literally bargaining with guys who really don't have that much experience in the league. You're throwing out prospects and names and people who haven't even touched the mound yet professionally and going on and on and on. It's so tough to evaluate because what Very if Sixto, good point. what if Sixto Sanchez is the next ace of the league and Real Muto's on on the back end of his career? Exactly. And you get to a point where, you know, we can't really decide what the value of these players
2: are. No listen, eighty percent of Philly fans. Have never even seen Sixto Sanchez pitch. Mm-hmm. They just know double, the name. He's only played double A. Exactly. They just they double just know single A. Or a double or single. Something. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Whatever A. <laughs> he's an A hole now. <laughs> all right. So it doesn't matter. Nobody's really seen him play. No. They just know his name. Like for me, I've never seen the guy yeah. pitch. Have you? No. Chris, have you? He he literally sounds like a character from The Sandlot.
1: Yeah. So Sixto s- Sanchez. Sixto Sanchez. Mat. Yeah. So typical,
2: typical. What's that called? Backyard so baseball player. I couldn't see, yeah. could yeah.
0: see him play, but I didn't see him play because he did play at Lakewood Blue Claws, which is only 35 minutes from okay. my house. That makes sense. I've seen young Phillies guys play before, but I've never seen Sixto Sanchez.
2: Play. All right. So I'm, that's what I'm just saying. I think the Phillies they're in win now mode, especially trying to get Chris's favorite player Bryce Harper to come to Philadelphia. I think the Phillies made a good move trying to improve their pitching, let, mm-hmm. improve their hitting. This improves everything that they've been so proactive.
1: Do. I, I got to give it to them. They've been, yeah. They're busting theirs to get this team to a good level, to get those seats filled, and
0: exactly. I got to respect that. Let, it, let me let ahead. me give you let me give you J. T. Romito's stats from last year. Oh, mm-hmm. oh they're good. Two seventy seven, which that's was, not bad
2: for for the Marlins Park. For you a said. catcher, that's not bad. Yeah,
0: he had a hundred and four strikeouts. You want to see that go down, but maybe in a smaller ballpark.
2: Well, the Phillies fans are used to that after watching So Ryan twenty, Howard. So
0: 21 home runs, but he started in 2015 with 10, 2016-11, 2017 with 17, now 21. His He's powers, progressed
2: every year, right?
0: RBIs, 74, which is great for a catcher. Like I said, RBIs, though, you can't look at that because he didn't have a lot of guys producing him. And he was batting first a lot of the season last year and the year before. It. He was batting first a lot because he was just their best hitter at the time. That's what they were doing with him. He he won a silver slugger last year, and he was an all-star last year. So, this, like I'm saying – the potential for J.T. Realmuto is through the roof. A lot of these catchers that are the best right now in baseball, Yadier Molina, Salvador Perez, Buster Posey, they're getting up there in age, and Buster Posey is getting more into the first baseman role, and so is Salvador Perez. Yadier Molina is not catching every day because he's getting older, so that's why I'm saying the Phillies got a great deal. They have a young pit, they have a young catcher who they have a lot of control over for I believe two or three two seasons, years two seasons. He'll probably re-sign if he's
2: happy there. Probably will. And, and especially it, if his buddy Bryce is there.
0: Yeah, whatever. Even if they don't sign Bryce, it's it's a good deal no matter what. The the Phillies made a splash, they've been making splashes and they have to because they have to compete with the with the NLE's the Mets making a lot of moves. Are the, the best division in baseball now. Yeah, the Braves, they weren't making a lot of moves, but they're the team to beat because they won, they won last year. They have a young core. The, the Nationals signing Patrick Corbin. They're trying to pursue Bryce Harper. This is a tough division, and the Phillies had to make this trade to match punch for punch what these other teams are doing.
2: The greatest part about – let me just say this. The greatest part about Tobias Harris trading for him was J.J. Reddick's rise, man. Now getting Tobias Harris – that stretches the floor, mm-hmm. and that puts that makes JJ Redick almost a forgotten man. The Harrison Barnes of, that, this, of this team, exactly. The Harrison Barnes. So, when Harrison Barnes was on, on the, the Warriors, State Warriors, yes, not the Mavericks, yeah, and, the Kings. and and now the Kings. And I think now we've seen it these last two games. JJ yeah. Reddick is on, man. Absolutely. Like it seems like teams have forgotten a game plan against mm-hmm. them, and that's awesome. And I can't wait to see the potential of this team moving forward. So I think down the line, I think trading for Tobias Harris is just going to make everyone better. Mm-hmm. Definitely.
0: Interesting. All right, so to, to, to piggyback off this Philadelphia wild, wild week talk, let's go gear more towards the Sixers. Are the Sixers now the team to beat in the East? And I'll, I'll start first. And, and John, I know we have a friend. We'll give him the initial CS, who texted us yesterday saying like Connor Sherwood, Connor Sherwood texted us saying, you know, freaking out about the Sixers. And me and you both had to say, calm down a little bit.
2: Yeah, Connor Sherwood, who works here at the station, he's very excited.
0: He does. He loves, he loves Philly sports. I think he's going to name his first kid, like, Citizen or something. <laughs> like, <a> Citizen <laughs> well, listen, I'm naming
2: my first dog, Fulzy. Yeah,
0: but that's cute. That's fine. Oh, thanks. That's so cute. But but anyway, he said, this Sixers team is unstoppable. Who's going to beat them? You know, something like that. And, me, and, and I'm glad you came in because I thought you were going to hop on with him and be like, yeah. This is a great team, and I'm so glad that you were clear and level-headed like I was. And we both said, Connor, calm down. Because you know what, Sixers fans, you need to calm down. Sure, this team is great, but we know that all the time having this big superstar trio doesn't necessarily always work, especially with one of your biggest superstars being Jimmy Butler. And I hate to you know, say Joel Embiid the same way, but he's also a guy who, likes, who has a lot of big an ego. There is now egos on this team. Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris, not really an ego, but he's a big player. I'm just scared that somewhere down the line these guys are not going to be getting enough buckets and they're going to be pissed off about it. And, and they're going to start, you know, saying why am I not getting the ball more? Why am I not getting the ball more? Could be JJ Redick, could be Ben Simmons, who knows who it could be. And, and that's what scares me. And what another thing that scares me about this Sixers team is they they it's a new gel. It's it's they're gelling in a new way. This is the it's not like it started in the season you know, how many times have we really seen guys get three or four players midway through the season and then succeed into the NBA? It's usually—
2: It hardly ever happens. The Warriors,
0: yeah. you know, foundation, the, the, the they get a couple players here and there. The Heat, a foundation. I got a couple players. That, you know, it's tough to come midway through a season and, and say, now we got all these pieces. Before, we were there. We were almost there. Now we're there. It's, it's going to be tough, and I just—it's going to be tough to beat the Celtics when they get healthy just because the Celtics— own the Sixers, and sometimes the Sixers we've seen, they're not a great road team. And you go to the playoffs, they're going to have to play some road games. So it, it's going to be tough. I think they're in a better spot than they were in maybe last week when we were talking. But to say that they're the best team in the East right now, I, I'm not buying it, and especially their, their bench depth. It's not there. Mm-hmm. They, they, they got rid of a lot of bench depth to get themselves this power team. And towards the end of the season, that bench depth, that, that couldn't come back and haunt
1: you possibly. So I'm not saying they're the best team yet in the East. To say that the East is predicated on history would be an understatement. For the past eight years, the Miami Heat and the Cleveland Cavaliers have been the ones to advance. You mean, LeBron James. Le- mean LeBron James. LeBron James, <laughs> right? That, when I say that, that's what you know. <laughs> yeah. LeBron James is not in the East anymore. Thank God. The Cavs and the Heat, I'm going to go out on a wild, wild hot take limb and say neither of them are making the conference finals. Wow.
0: Oh, that's a bold oh,
2: statement. Yeah. That's a bold statement. So I'm going
1: to go out on a limb and say that.
2: Damn, you're crazy. The
1: past two years— there's been a team that's faced the Cleveland Cavaliers in the Eastern Conference Finals, and that's the Boston Celtics. It's the Boston Celtics. Last year, seven games, seven games, three minutes away from beating, you know, LeBron, the greatest player of all time, and the Cleveland Cavaliers, going to the NBA Finals. Boston is still the team to beat in the East, and I really don't care if they've blown two leads because the amount of teams that they've forced to blow leads for them is obnoxious. This team is still the most talented team in the East, in my opinion, because I think that this team can completely neutralize the 76ers' matchup capabilities, right? If you look at down the line, Kyrie, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, Al Horford, can all, all of them guard the other five players on the Sixers? The answer is yes. Can they switch outside of Kyrie? Yes. The other four players on the floor for the Celtics can absolutely switch. Put Kyrie on JJ Reddick. That's fine. We'll do that all day. We'll we'll, you know, we'll let JJ put up those shots. Boston is still the team to beat because they've established themselves as the most experienced Eastern Conference team in the playoffs. You're looking at Toronto. Kawhi, I think, top two player in this league. They got Mark Gasol. Are they still better than the Sixers? Because their trade deadline was just as active as the Sixers, and they also got a star, I think, of the capabilities of Tobias Harris in the same level. You go look in the Bucs, and the Bucs are on fire, but do we really buy into the Bucks as a team that can permeate in the playoffs? I mean, if you didn't believe it before, after you snag Nikola Mirotic, he can stay healthy. That stretch four, huge addition for their team. To say the Sixers are the team to beat in the East is is not good. It's not a good thing to look at. And I think that, if anything, they're the team not to beat, but they're the team with the most to lose this postseason because a Philadelphia 76ers' second-round exit could leave them desolate with no assets, with no re-signed free agents, searching around for bottom-tier players. And so at the end of the day, I look at it and I say, no, they're not the team to beat in the East because they have the most pressure night in and night out to beat these marquee teams in the eastern conference so no i'd give it to the boston celtics at this point the team with the lowest pressure and the team that i think is underhandedly saving themselves to the playoffs and is going to go on a hot streak 10 games out of the playoffs gliding right in and really take this team
2: wow i don't think the sixers are the team to beat in the east right now just because like chris alluded to earlier their bench right now is just not good enough to take them throughout the playoffs mm-hmm. but brett brown He is putting Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid with the guys that are on the bench. Like, he's mixing up the starting lineup with the bench guys, which is something that you have to do when your bench is not that great. So I'm looking forward to see what he does down the line, trying to figure out combinations on how to make the bench a better squad on the floor. But I think Drew is correct. The Celtics are the most talented team, but are they the best team? I don't think so. I think the Raptors right now, they're playing as a team. They are the best team. They even play well without Kawhi. So that, to me, is hard to face. And they just got Marcus Gasol. Marcus Gasol is finally going to be on a team that has a legitimate shot to go to the finals. So I'm expecting him to be big time, Mm -hmm. step up his game, and just provide another score for the Raptors, which... Oh my God! They've already got so many scores. Like Siakam yeah. came out of nowhere. Kawhi, yeah. we all know Kyle Lowry. They just signed Jeremy Lin. And Jeremy Lin today. They and just that, signed Jeremy Lin. They have so much
1: flexibility, yeah, man. Exactly. They have so many different lineups they can run exactly. with, with Ibaka at the center. But
2: if I was a, so if I'm a betting, if I was a betting man, I would pick the Raptors. But watch out for the Celtics because they do have the most talent on their team. But I just don't think they're getting along too much right now. And now the fact that Kyrie is not going to play for a little bit, I think we're going to see a little uppity up with the Celtics again, and that's gonna just going to cause more rift, more controversy, which leads to Kyrie to play in L.A. or New York. We're not going to get into Let it. me say, as a Boston fan, I'm more
1: concerned about Kyrie's inconsistencies with health rather than yeah, the team's struggles. Absolutely. Or Marcus Morris saying, we're not is playing as a team. Prone. I think I'm more concerned about Kyrie getting hurt than anything else, than the, the Celtics meshing, because I think that they will mesh in the long you run. You see,
0: I like the Raptors, but... Drake just kills me because every time he shows up to a playoff game wearing his you know, Versace jacket, getting all hyped up in the playoffs. The Raptors freaking lose. You know, you know Slatter-ass, Drake curse, man. You know, know Drake. Effect. You know Drake
2: curses the teams that he roots for. Oh, that, but you know what? Though? I'll give you some slack because he wore the Super Bowl jacket or some jacket that had the Rams and the Patriots. Teams. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, with, that's he why wore, the Super Bowl cra- was crap. He
1: wore on the conference championship games. Yes. He wore all four teams. Right. I'll give you some I, slack. I think though.
0: about it when he roots when he rooted for Kentucky. They were losing. Like every time, Alabama. I, Alabama. he's just the Drake effect and I know Drake's gonna be there you know cheering on his boys in Toronto during playoff time because he tends to stay away sometimes during the regular season and then playoff time is gonna be there then it's just a whole different environment because it's the Drake curse and I know it's stupid but sometimes curses they just they just seem real and this is one that I I, I, that kind of worries me this is why I'm not so high on the Raptors
2: just ask Browns fans they've had a curse for 20 years
0: all right guys it's time it's time for everybody's favorite segment baby You know what really grinds my gears? I'll go first. You know what's really grinding my gears, guys?
2: What's grinding your gears, Chris?
0: (laughs) This freaking Harper-Lent thing. Oh, my God. People are giving up things on Twitter. I see personalities from WIP giving up things. I see people tweeting I'm giving up beer and fried food. Oh, right. all right, Jimmy625 from Philadelphia. Just because you're giving up French fries for (laughs) Harper-Lent. Bryce Harper is going to come to the Phillies now. Yep, that's why cuz Bryce Harper is looking on Twitter and saying, "Oh, little Johnny boy from Philadelphia. Nice. Oh, you're I giving thought up." It was Jimmy. Yeah, well now it's little Johnny. "Oh, oh okay. you're giving up. You're giving up going on dates where you know what?" Okay. <laughs> nice. Good for you. "Oh, your dad's giving up beer." You know what, Philly, you guys are a great sports town. I'm glad you're giving up things you want me that bad. I'm coming here. It's not going to happen. You guys are looking stupid. You guys are making this thing seem like a whole big, like magical place, and oh, Bryce Harper is gonna come because I'm doing this. No, it has nothing to do with it. You think Bryce Harper gives a about what you and your friends are giving up for Harper Lent? No, it doesn't matter. He cares about playing in a nice town with his beautiful wife and having a nice family eventually, making a lot of money, putting his sexy face on posters. That's why. And all these Phillies fans wanna speculate, like, oh, friends are real mute. Hey, I have a speculation for you. He signed, he shaved his beard. Oh, no. You know, you know what Not that the could beard. You know what that could mean? He <laughs> might be going to be clean shaven because he might sign with the Yankees.
2: Ooh.
0: Oh, no! You want to talk oh. about speculation? So Julian Edelman speculation. shaved his
2: beard on Ellen. Yeah, Do you I think, think he's, he's th- going to sign with the Yankees? I, I
0: heard they were working on him to play right field. But I get it. It's a passion for a player that you want. But come on, it's stupid. It's embarrassing. I, it's I embarrassing. I do something for Lent because you care about God yeah. and, and, and and the Catholic religion, but don't give it up because you're trying to get a Bryce Harper to come here. It's stupid. It's not going it to happen. You're not going to make the difference unless you can give him 150 more million dollars out of your own pocket.
1: What really grinds my gears today? Well, your Greer's what, what grinds my greers <laughs> is is the recent AAF buzz around the replay. What's AAF, Drew? I don't know what it stands for. Isn't it the American Alliance of Football? It's the American Alliance of Football. Okay, so it's a it's a arena. I wanna, I guess it's not an arena, but it's an arena style like Spring Football League, right? That's recently introduced, came out on CBS, and the big buzz on Twitter. I didn't watch the game, so I don't know a ton about the league, you know, a lot of details, but I do know that the the buzz around the replay is that the replay officials are mic'd up. And the process that they're going through, they're speaking their process in their head to the audiences as it's going on. And they directly the transparency is something that fans are a big are are very happy with and want the NFL to continue on with and they want them to, to do it um, in the league or maybe just take a look at it, which I think is a very poor idea on the national stage. On the NFL stage, the amount of criticism and the amount of memeability that has come from fans in the social media era. A replay official would be torn to shreds. Their personal life would be destroyed if you put them on a a local broadcast and just said, go at it, you know, explain your reasoning. And then you get the wrong fan base that's upset with your reasoning. I think the AAF is going to be a great way to test you know, methods going on in the future, replay methods, certain um, things that the NFL can try out. But I don't think that the hype buzz around it is quite something we should latch on to right away just because of how national and and how the media focuses on the NFL versus a spring football league like the AAF.
2: I like the replay system. That's all I'm saying. I, 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 I kind of like I, The AAF it. is pretty sweet. I already, I'm already rooting for a team. Who are you? Salt Lake yes! Stallions. Yes, Salt Lake Stallions, yeah, well, baby. I'm, listen, I'm Italian. Italian stallions. I, I like it because that's some. why. And he's got two temple players. Oh, you beat me to it. Adonis, Adonis Jennings. Jennings and Le- Leon Johnson. How about Trent Richardson? He had two touchdowns. Screw the other day. Trent Richardson. Christian, Trent Richardson. He, Christian Hackenberg. Christian no, Hackenberg. He
0: might stop. get signed. He's looking good.
2: Yeah, to the Jets <laughs> again.
0: I think they learned their lesson. Yeah, Actually, I don't know. They, yeah, might have they probably not. not. They definitely did. It.
2: Hopefully, he goes to the Cowboys when uh, Dak Prescott gets hurt. And
0: he, no, Christian Hackenberg might be the next offensive coordinator for the Cowboys. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good one. All right, too. John. All right, John. Let us know. <laughs>
2: What really grinds your gears? What really grinds my gears is Kevin Durant's thin skin. Because one, he's an NBA player, two, he knows he has to deal with the media, and three, he's in Silicon Valley. The media over there is not that (laughs) soft. Listen.
1: The basketball capital
2: of the world. Exactly. Half the time those writers are on the beach, (laughs) it's not that bad. They're and working he, on their listen, Mac laptops, building exactly. computers, Exactly. Voss
0: water with flip flops. They're on. not <laughs>
2: exactly. They're not doing wearing their vineyard vine shirts. It doesn't really matter. And if he wants to be a New York Nick, man, you oh, better step up. He doesn't want
1: to be a New York Nick. Frank Isola Nick. will literally spit in your face. Exactly. You thing listen, at a media meeting. That's what
2: I'm saying. Now I was so convinced that he may go to New York and be a Nick, but man.
1: Can't even there's no
2: way. The, the Bay Area. Media. Exactly. You can't even take care of the Bay Area media. He was, you know what? In OKC, there's barely any media. There's probably two media members at press conferences. <laughs> just because. It's John and people. Bob from like the local uh, newspaper. It, exactly. <laughs> so he probably thought that's how it was everywhere. It, like it's the idiot. Not. Yeah, the idiot that he is. <laughs> he went to Silicon Valley, thought, oh, it's the same thing. No, obviously it's not. Man. And But he's got to know. You signed a short-term deal, and that's the talk of the NBA because he is such a great player where he shapes an entire NBA landscape and he needs to understand that. Other teams who didn't get him, they have to restart. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that means draft positions get changed. Like it's a butterfly effect. Yeah. And for him to not understand that is so annoying. And it's really sad because he's a great player, but man, he is a Big giant baby, and I know after every game, win or lose, this guy's gonna be a pain in the ass.
1: Somebody else's problem. That's a good one, man. That that you you have a very good point. Thank you. I mean, he can barely handle like the Bay Area media, and he's crying and complaining and wants to play basketball. Exactly. And, but he doesn't. He doesn't understand the magnitude of this thing, and how and how he can silence the press just by saying one thing and not doing it. But he Kevin Durant has this weird like moral thing in his head where he he can't just like. Get the media off his back just and say anyway, something then to shut them up and like minutes. push them exactly, yeah, exactly.
2: He, this is the guy who made burner accounts because of billy bob in his mother's basement and wearing his granny panties or whatever is commenting <laughs> well, on I his twitter he twitter must account. You know, he must that on our podcast right now if he exactly hears this. whatever he, i don't care he about it but sam, anyway sam conor podcast he's, director he's commenting on this guy is commenting on kevin durant's twitter account and kevin durant gets pissed off so he has to make a burner account that's embarrassing. This yeah. guy's got problems. And if he, he should just stay in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Because it seems like he could, he could still play well under this media scrutiny that he has to face. <laughs> stay in California. Sunny over there. The ladies are beautiful. Don't go to New York. Don't come to the East. And don't honestly, grind John's gears. Don't, don't grind my gears. And don't grind but, I, but on a serious note, if he comes to the East, we all know the Eastern media just alone is yeah. so much tougher yeah. than the West. They really are. And yeah. you just gotta realize, like, you have to just just like you're doing your job on the court,
0: these reporters are doing, doing their, their job. job. Exactly. Our job good as point. reporters are to, to find out the unknown, to get people to speculate. To be, it's to speculate. the NBA. Yeah. We to all be, it's a soap opera. Get, it really is. Yeah. I mean, like, if out of all sports, the NBA is this very is a soap opera. You could put that on nine to five on Lifetime, and I guarantee you, my mom would be watching it. In WHIP studio, we are signing off. Have a good one. Can't wait to be back already next week, guys.